You're listening to Art and Magic, and I'm your host, Devin Walls. Hello, and welcome back to the show. This episode is the third and final part to our three-part series on artwork development. I created this series because I don't feel like this actually gets talked about enough. I feel like there are a lot of resources out there for business and navigating galleries and even artist statements, but not a whole lot about how we actually make our work stronger and more true to ourselves and what we really want to be making. I also feel like, you know, there's conversations out there about the creative process and creative blocks, but those tend to be a bit general that could be applied to anything creative. And I think those are super good conversations and interesting, and I like all that stuff. But for fine artists and visual artists, there there are other things that come with what we're doing, especially against the backdrop of social media, and especially if you're a working artist. I think within that, a lot of artists feel very scattered, like they can't find their direction. They feel disconnected from their work, like they're having a hard time landing on something that they genuinely care about and feel good about. And then I think something that's even a little more nuanced is the overwhelm that comes with wanting to do something that's totally your own and breaks rules in the right way, but like could still maybe hold up in a gallery or still be quality and still be strong. Like how do we do things our own way, but still make work that is like genuinely good that again, that we feel good about. So, you know, in the first part, I talked about the different stages that we might go through as we're trying to find our style and our voice. In the second part, I talked about what often blocks us and stands in our way. And I think these two things are very important to understand. But what I want to wrap up with is where you can look if you're wanting to make your work stronger here and now. So this episode is a little bit like taking inventory. I find that, you know, the creative process can be so like flowy and overwhelming and it can be all of the things. And what really goes nicely with that when we're actually trying to move forward or make progress is compartmentalizing and looking at our work in like a categorical breakdown. So some of these things won't necessarily be that new or revelatory, but hopefully having them all presented here as a as a sort of checklist will just spark some thoughts about like, yeah, I focus a lot on that. I think I'm good in that department. Or, oh, I definitely need to go through that area of my work because I never think about that. I guess the other thing I'll say about this list of areas that you can look at is they're kind of like picking up the couch cushions to see what coins might be waiting for you underneath. A lot of this very well may already be present in your practice or in your work, but just even realizing it's there can help you build on it farther. So, okay, before I get into the episode, as usual, a couple announcements. I am teaching a style development workshop called Unique, and it's open for enrollment right now through October 6th. If you have been enjoying these episodes, you will love this workshop. If you're someone who feels like they can't make original work because everything's already been done, if you feel unfocused or scattered in your work and feel like you're constantly chasing a million different directions and you don't want to do that anymore, if you feel like you've been leaning a little too heavily on some of your influences and you want to weed them out and make your work more of your own voice, 
Or if you're just simply ready to go deeper with your work and bring some fresh energy to your practice, this workshop series is perfect for you. You know, on the podcast, I give a lot of information and I do kind of, I guess we would call it teaching. And all of this is so good for cognitive understanding, for like giving you fuel for your practice, giving you new things to think about. However, listening to the information is not the same as actually doing the work for your art. And that's what's so nice about getting to do this workshop series together. It's five bi-weekly lectures and small groups over the course of 10 weeks. And yes, I do some teaching in this, but a lot of it is you doing the work and engaging with your ideas, your language, getting feedback from your peers. You will actually do what we're talking about in a container where you get support and feedback. It's a lot of fun. If you know me, you know I keep it down to earth and super friendly. So whether you are highly educated in the art realm or you just picked up a pencil, it doesn't matter. Everyone is welcome. And at the end of it, everybody is usually so shocked and excited by how much they've learned about themselves as an artist and where they're going to take their work next. So if you're interested in that, again, you have until October 6th to enroll. All the details are with the link in the show notes. Okay, second announcement, I'll keep it short. One of the best ways you can support the show is over on Patreon. If you head over there, there's a whole library of exclusive bonus episodes that you get access to. You get access to all of my art, like early before everybody else does and good stuff like that. So link in show notes to support us that way. Okay, without further ado, let's get into the episode. So the first area where we can really develop our artwork is maybe the most obvious place, and that is our technical skills. I'm going to contradict some of the comments I've made in earlier episodes because I know I've said things like, you know, this isn't a conversation about how to paint flowers. And for the most part, it's not. I do think that the meat of this conversation and what I'm interested in is how we make work that is unique to us, is meaningful, like all those deep and, you know, I don't know, those deep things. But I want to pause on the skill thing here. Because the truth is, our skills and our technical abilities are what carry all of that depth and magic forward and helps people digest it. The reason I don't spend too much time talking about this is there's really not that much to say. It's the area where you have to put in the 10,000 hours, you have to paint the 100 or 200 paintings. It really is where putting in the time is going to take you far, the skill department. Now, I don't necessarily think putting in the time is the only solution for the other things I'm going to talk about, but for the skill side, it kind of is. Now, I'll just speak for myself and say that skills have been a big hurdle, especially because I've changed my style and my work a lot. I started abstract. I started working with poured acrylic and painted acrylic. And as I've moved into representation and oil paint and mixed media and even 3D work, there's been some big ass learning curves. And the truth about all of those learning curves is that they have taken time. (laughs) So I think this is a good place to just take some inventory. When it comes to technical skills, and this could be around a certain material, like, you know, air dry clay, acrylic paint, whatever, It could be around a certain subject, like drawing people. It could be around a technique, like glazing or grisaille painting. 
Whatever is relevant to your work, or maybe what you would like to be relevant to your work, what you would like to incorporate, where are you really strong and where do you need some learning? I know for me, again, because this is a big one for me because my work jumps around in all kinds of different ways, I can get really overwhelmed with all that I need to master and learn. And what has helped me is like making a running list of all the things I would like to learn and incorporate or get better at. And then either setting aside time for research or studies practice or maybe like a Skillshare class and just accepting that it's going to be a long time consuming game, but I can chip away at it. Again, I have a love-hate with this one because it is so time-consuming, but the thing that's also kind of nice about it is you do have control over it. I think control is, is a weirder thing when we're talking about like coming up with a brilliant idea, but what you can definitely do is sketch every day. What you can definitely do is take a class and learn to oil paint. And in a year from now or two years from now, I guarantee you will look back and be like, wow, I got a lot better. And that's pretty cool. Okay, the next area to look at is your aesthetic. We could also think of this as your voice or your style. How are you presenting your subject and your content? We'll talk about subject and content in a second, but how are you presenting the thing that you are painting or depicting? We can understand this a couple different ways. One might be your genre. Is it surreal, geometric, impressionistic? You know, those isms from art history. Uh, What colors are you using? What feeling are you choosing? What is your language? Is it symbolic? Is it abstract? Is it representational? If you're listening to this and you're a little perplexed, one thing you might want to do is look at your work and just answer these questions. Just describe the voice that you are using. You know, what does it remind you of? Does it remind you of someone a little too much? That's something we talk about in the workshop. If it does, that's okay. We'll, We'll work on it. But ultimately, what we're dealing with here is just the surface layer. Now, to a lot of people, they might just think, wait, visual art is just a surface layer. It's just what it looks like. And no, it's not. We'll talk about that (laughs) in a second. But it is important. The visual component is extremely important. It's, It's everything and it's not everything at the same time. So, okay, once you've taken inventory, there's a couple other things to ask yourself. Do you like it? Does it feel like you or does it just feel like stuff that you've seen that you kind of tried to like mash up and remix and kind of make your own, but you're not really sure what's you in there? If you're resonating with this thing about it not totally looking like you, I would encourage you to try and look at the little moments in your work that did come from you that were actually born out of a spontaneous moment in the process or an idea you had when you were on a walk. Look for those original marks and elements. This is going to clue you in to what your natural language would be. The other part of aesthetic and style and voice has a lot to do with your own preferences. And I actually think this is just a fun question that extends beyond artwork. What are your aesthetic preferences? Do you know what they are in terms of your clothes or your house or your spaces or like just what you pin on Pinterest or what you would make a collage out of or how you would decorate a cake? Clearly, these are all things that I do, but any anything in your life where aesthetic choices need to be made, do you know what you lean towards? 
And they might be very different in different areas, you know? I've gone through phases where my art is very colorful, but I pretty much dress in all black. I'm working on that. Um, but that's okay. I, I am still noting that my aesthetic preference for clothes is black, and my aesthetic preference for art is rainbow unicorn. If your answer is, I don't know, that is a great invitation to go on a little aesthetic mapping journey. I love Pinterest, but you could use like actual magazines or Google images or whatever, um, or real life, go to the mall, walk in a park, and just notice, what are you drawn to? Maybe you like soft transitions and organic shapes. Maybe you like things that remind you of a place that you visited as a child or a city that you lived in. Maybe you love anything super like bold and eccentric. It doesn't matter. Just start to compile a list of adjectives and maybe images. And then I want you to do this practice with your artwork. This is a tricky business here because I think it's good to notice what you like and appreciate in other artwork. But if you're someone who is already bordering on being overly influenced, uh, maybe put off that exercise for a period of time. I would reference visuals that are not other people's paintings or drawings. I think as you start to think in this way, it will make defining your own aesthetic a little bit easier. And the thing is, if you're somebody who's wanting a cohesive and recognizable style, having a distinct aesthetic is a big way that you're going to be able to achieve that. So there's another area that's kind of adjacent to aesthetic. I don't think it quite belongs in a category of its own, but I'm going to share it with you. And this is your language. So because it's a visual language, this is so intertwined with the way you are presenting your work. So again, the palette, the mood, the style, the voice. But when I think about language, I also think about recurring elements in the work. So this is another thing to take inventory of. What repeats in your work and ties it together? Uh, we're going to talk about like what those things maybe mean or symbolize in another category, but just take notice of what's there. And then a couple similar questions. Did they come from you? Uh, if they did come from you, like where did they come from? Were you inspired by something? Are they from your childhood? Are they from things you've been exposed to? Or are they from somebody else's work? Because if they are, we might need to work on that. And then a couple other things like, do you like this language? Does it feel representative of what you're wanting to create in your work? Again, we'll put a pin in the what and the why. What pieces of it are your favorite and how could you build on that? How could you push something farther? I like to think of my own work as like a constant zooming in. So this is like a little bit of a side story about my work, but maybe it'll resonate with some of you. Before I started painting the rooms in my work, I was painting a lot of atmospheres, like very abstract atmospheres. And it was almost like I couldn't quite see the form that it wanted to take yet. But then when I zoomed in a little farther, I got really obsessed with painting cubes. And then when I wondered what those are, they kind of turned into rooms. And then the rooms have turned into like highly detailed rooms. But it was almost like I took this aspect of my work, which was creating some sort of world or environment. And I wondered how I could flesh that out a little bit more. And so that's one thing you can do with your language or the way that you're representing something is either zoom in or zoom out. You know, for some of you, it might look like if you're painting a whole forest, like maybe you just want to focus on one tree 
or if you're painting a person, like maybe you just want to zoom in on one feature. Or then on the other side of that, if you're painting a person, maybe you want to zoom out and paint them like in a scene in a much bigger environment. Okay, so for the next area to focus on, I'm going to jump over to something that isn't necessarily seen in your work, but could and maybe should be part of your practice, and that's your intake. A lot of the times the development of our work is going to be so influenced by what we're taking in. And so we want to make sure we're taking in the stuff that we want to show up in our work. When we're just aimlessly scrolling on social media like so many of us do, we're not really in control of what our intake is. We're just seeing stuff and then that might show up in our work or it might not, but who's to really say because we're just absorbing what the algorithm feeds us. And this is where I think it can be so helpful to get intentional about what you're putting into your brain. Whether that is making an effort to go to concerts or gallery shows, or visiting like your most inspiring spots in your city, or it really doesn't have to be that extravagant. You can still do it online. For me, right now, my work is about spaces. So I do a lot of internet research for like funky dollhouses and weird architecture and nostalgic bedrooms and like anything that is relevant to what I'm working on right now. And that has had a huge influence on what I make. I actually had a dance teacher say this, so (laughs) this might be a weird story, but I do a lot of like hip hop and I dance in heels. And a lot of that is like pop music, hip hop music. It's a lot of like Chris Brown. It's a lot of throwback like Maya and Britney Spears. And don't get me wrong, like I love the crap out of all that stuff. But I did have a teacher say to us, Like, if you're only listening to the music that's in class, you might be a little out of balance. And he was right. Like, from going to class, I just found myself listening to this kind of music all the time. Again, nothing against Cardi B, nothing against these people. Like, I love this shit. However, only having that into my brain, like, did have an effect on me. I'm not even saying that it's a bad effect, But if I really wanted to look at, like, my thoughts and how I'm feeling and how I'm dressing, I could look to my music selection and what I'm exposed to. And anyway, his recommendation was, like, make sure you're balancing this out with, like, some quality tunes in your free time. And I think the same goes for um, our aesthetic influences. Maybe we have some guilty pleasures on TikTok that we really enjoy and we think are really funny, but we also need to have the wisdom to know what feeds our work at a quality level and at a genuine level. And so what is the majority of your intake and how could you get a little more intentional about that so that it influences your work in the way that you would like to be influenced? Okay, another area you can look when you're wanting to develop your work is your process. To simplify it, I actually like to think of process as our order of operations. Now, this is a really key place to look if you are feeling stuck, stagnant, uninspired, like you just can't get working. Oftentimes, that can be remedied by just tweaking the order that we're doing things in. So first of all, what do you usually do when you sit down to create? What do you do first? And is it working for you? A lot of us got into making work because it felt good and we enjoyed the process. But oftentimes what happens along the way is we get caught up in honestly a lot of the stuff I'm even talking about here. 
and we get caught up in wanting to make our work really good or chasing a certain idea or wanting to be like someone else that we're seeing and we lose touch with like the actual process of making and it becomes a chore and I am speaking from experience. When we find ourselves in that spot, we need to look at the act of making and see if we've fallen into a rut. Because if we're not excited by that act, we're gonna get stuck. We're gonna have a hard time. And you might need some trial and error in this department. Like, full disclosure, this is something I've been navigating a lot as I've been doing work that's very, like, mentally intense rather than just, like, free-flowing and therapeutic. I've really had to work with, like, okay, maybe I need to switch back and forth between something challenging in a piece and something intuitive and fun. Or maybe I need to have some sketches on hand that I can just play with and get like some fun energy out in between or even before I sit down to work on a highly detailed part of this piece. And I think the goal here is actually looking for joy. In some of these other areas, like aesthetic, for example, I think we're looking for truth. We're looking for preferences and what's true to us. But with process, we're looking for what works for us and what is fun to do and what we like. And so this process piece is, is really not to be overlooked. Some suggestions for getting out of a rut with your process could also be bringing a friend into your space, like doing a little co-working art making, having um, a space at home or outside of wherever you regularly make art to just do something fun and quick and doodle-like. I find sometimes like bringing some colored pencils home with me or something that's just like away from my art with a capital A helps me reconnect to just like being in the moment and playing with color. Okay, so I saved the best, biggest, and classically most intimidating, but it doesn't have to be for last, and that is content. Content is kind of the bulk of this conversation. It's kind of what I've alluded to in other episodes. And let me just tell you what it is if you don't know. So content is the meaning, message, intention, feeling, emotion, any of that that was put into the artwork or that arises from the artwork. So if the aesthetic, voice, and language is what you can see with your eyeballs, content is what you would be able to infer from what you're seeing with your eyeballs. If you listen to the How to Write About Your Work episode, a lot of this will actually sound familiar, but I think it's important to think of it uh, in terms of an area to develop and not just like analyze and write about. So in simple terms, I like to think about this as either the meaning in the work or why you made the work. So I think that, again, a lot of us got into making work because it felt good. Uh, because we enjoy even creating something beautiful. And then when we have to go think about what that means or why we're doing that, it just feels like it's killing our buzz. But the thing is, especially if you're wanting to develop your style, creating a style that's purely aesthetic, but it's not rooted in anything, A, I don't think the work will be as strong, but more importantly, it's often going to be harder for you to stick with it and feel connected to it over time and really flesh it out and develop it. If you're only making your decisions based on, I think this looks good, I think this doesn't look good. 
that approach is actually a little bit better suited for design, uh, sometimes client work, or anything that's in a context that's a bit more commercial. And there is nothing wrong with design or commercial work. I actually enjoy both of those things. But when it comes to our personal art, oftentimes that's not going to be sufficient for us. If it is, like, that's totally fine. I'm not here to tell you that what you're doing isn't valid or isn't strong or anything like that. I'm just saying that if you're craving a style that you're going to stick with and if you're looking for ways to make your work stronger than it already is, this is often a very fruitful place to look. So uncovering the content that might already be present in our work or developing more content if content is lacking is a big part of what we do in the workshop series, but here's just a couple things you can look at right now. Just simply answering, why have you been making what you're making? Doesn't have to be a fancy answer, this is just for you. But in terms of the voice you've been using and the subjects you've been depicting and maybe even the materials you've been using, why have you been doing that? There's no wrong answers here. Like, we're just looking for the truth. Your answer might be, I'm making this thing because I took a class and this is what the instructor did, and so now it's what I know how to do. Great. That's really good information. Your answer might be, because you're making work to help yourself feel better and you're using your materials in the most therapeutic way possible. Or you might start to have some little glimmers of ideas about, you know, why you're drawn to certain subjects. Does it have to do with something you experienced, something you care about, something you're trying to show the world or communicate? It might be a combination of answers, but just becoming aware of what's currently underneath your work is a good place to start. Another thing you can do is go back to that episode about writing about your work and use the questions related to content, not just to write about your work, but once you understand those answers, use them as a jumping off point to develop your content farther. If you feel like you have not been making work with any kind of intention that you would want to make work from at all, and you're starting fresh, here's some things to think about. What matters to you? What are you interested in? And the more specific you can get, the better. What themes have you dealt with or have come up in your life over and over? And if somebody could receive anything from your work, whether that be a message, an understanding about something, or a feeling, what might that be? In my experience, Content is something that often slowly blossoms over time. It's not something you're going to be able to just like journal five pages about and have all the answers to in this moment. And I don't think that we would really want it to be that way. Because while content is, yes, something that we're communicating in our work, it's also a question oftentimes that we are seeking to answer. It's something we're grappling with or digesting to the point that we have to make work about it. And I don't think we would want that flame to burn out right away. I think our best bet is just kind of orienting to where we might be with it and then seeing where the natural next step is for it to go. And so then to tie this all together as far as making work that's unique, recognizable, is your own, and is strong, Ideally, we want to marry the aesthetic, 
and our language with our content. And I think that's so much of what visual art is. How are we using visual language to communicate something that is not visual? How do we build a bridge between the inner world and the outer world? And that is often a muscle. So you know how I kept saying like, okay, we're going to come back to this when we talk about content. So this is the part where if you're looking for ideas for your language, if you're looking for new colors, if you're looking for new materials, look at some of the answers that you gave here around why you make work, what you want the viewer to get out of it, what the message is, what your intention is, whatever, and what makes sense for you given your content. What materials make sense? What symbols? What genre? And like how you draw the connection between the two things, that is you being an artist. Like to me, that is so much of what we're doing here. And it's kind of weird to think about it like that because oftentimes this is such a nonverbal process. We just feel the feelings and we experience life and then we show up and we draw something and we're like, that was weird. But when we actually think about it, I think this is kind of the process that's running in the background. And so if we can bring that to the front, we can work with it and add to it and manipulate it. And that to me, that is artwork development. That is how we push our work forward. So I'm going to get off my little soapbox now and we're just going to recap the areas that you can look at if you want to strengthen your artwork. They are further developing your skills, taking inventory of what you're good at and where you might want to improve and setting aside time to learn and practice those technical things. The second area is your aesthetic. Could also be thought of as your voice and your style. How does it look? What are your aesthetic preferences, both in the grand scheme of life and in your work? Uh, How can you make your work match those preferences farther? Or how could you start to strengthen and get to know what your preferences even are? The third one is intake. If you want to develop your work, you might want to look at what you are putting into your brain. What is the visual fuel that you're giving yourself? Can you intentionally hunt down fuel that would be relevant and exciting and life-giving to your work? The fourth thing is your process. Are you enjoying your process? Is it working for you? How could you change it up and tweak it so that you can sink into it even more? And the last area you can look at is your content. Why are you making what you're making? What is your intention? What is beneath the surface layer of your work? Part of the work here is probably identifying what's already there and then maybe doing a little bit of self-reflection to see what other content you could start bringing to your work and letting that inform your materials, your skills, your aesthetic choices, and everything else. So that wraps up our three-part series on artwork development. Thank you so much to those of you who have listened, whether it's one episode or all of them, and for going on this journey with me. Uh, It's been so nice to be able to have multiple episodes to dive into this topic and explore it with you guys. I hope it has given you just a little bit of food for thought moving forward. And if you're wanting the guidance and the container to go through more processes and learn new perspectives to strengthen your style, make it more your own, focus in on a direction, I hope you will join us for the Unique Workshop series. 
in going through the 10 weeks together, you will come out the other side with such a new perspective on what you make and who you are as an artist and a lot more confidence just from being in a group where you get to give and receive friendly and down-to-earth, as always, feedback. Again, you can get all the information in the show notes for that. Uh, That wraps up everything I have in store for you today. Until next time, I'm sending you lots of love and tons of magic.